TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Good morning. Welcome in. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kylie. Kramer is playing what was supposed to be urban Christmas music, and yeah. now I can start to feel it. Okay. It's getting there. It's getting there. We appreciate you tuning in. We will be with you until 12 o'clock. We'll try other urban Christmas music as we go along this is today. groovy, man. <laughs> Just let it, let's let it soak in. All right, that's enough. That's enough. That's enough. Coming up at 1030, we've got Ken Swanson of Arrowhead Pride. We've got a lot to talk about with the Chiefs coming up with him. And at 11.30, I got some questions about what the Royals are attempting to do here. I got some real questions. So we will get them answered with David Lesky of Royals Review. That is coming up at 11.30 this morning. As always, if you want to get involved in the show, the text line is 69306. You can always hit me up on Twitter as well. I am at BK Sports Talk. All right. So I want to start the show a little differently today. Normally, we dive into the breakdown of Chiefs versus Bears. And I don't care. I don't care about this game all that much because we have officially arrived at the point in the season when it is no longer about the micro and it is now about the macro. The only thing that matters for the Chiefs, given where they are, given what the league looks like, that, for instance, let me give you an example. The game that takes place today between the Bills and the Patriots is far more important and far more intriguing for me as a Chiefs fan than what's going on tomorrow with the Chiefs versus the Bears. It's true. The game today has more real implications than the Chiefs game that they are actually playing tomorrow. Now, the Chiefs need to win, but Carrington said this all last or a couple of weeks ago whenever the Chiefs were taking on the Patriots. It's a pass-fail. The next two weeks for the Chiefs are just pass-fail tests. It doesn't really much matter how they look. It's about if you can pass the test of just coming away with a win. That's all you got to do. Just come away with a W. It doesn't really much matter how you get the W. So the way that I want to start today is by talking about my personal experience with the most difficult thing I've ever done was running a marathon, man. It sucked. It was terrible. I ran a marathon a year and a half ago now. And let me tell you, everything they tell you about a marathon is a hundred percent true. You train your ass off for months to go run 26 miles, which is the dumbest thing in the world. Why would you possibly sign up to run 26 miles? That's punishment. That's not a real race. Anyway. It doesn't sound like fun. It's it's not. Um, So you do all this training to go on this run, but what they don't tell you about the training is that you're never actually going to run the marathon during the training. You're going to run up to like 20 miles during the training, and then your body should be to the point where when you run the 26, you are prepared to run the 26 miles, right? And so I do all this training. I'm feeling good about myself. I'm prepared. I'm out there ready to go. I am moving on my marathon. I'm telling you, man, I get to mile 16. I'm like, I'm doing well. I'm at like a 715 pace. It's exactly where I wanted to be. I'm doing fantastic. Keep on going. Get to mile 20. I'm still feeling good. Still feeling good. I get to mile marker 22 and my legs died. 
my right leg shoot up the right leg up into my uh, up into my uh up into my hip it's just a cramp from my knee to my hip on that quad oof left leg same thing about a quarter of a mile later i am literally like power walking for the next mile trying to get to the finish line I man i had to walk the next 4 miles hey that's okay it was the single most fulfilling thing i have ever done why because it was the hardest thing that I had ever done. Getting to that finish line was all that I wanted to do at the, that point. I no longer cared about my time. I no longer cared about getting to the place that I want. No, it was just about getting to the destination of where the finish line was. That's all I needed to do. That's how this chief season is. This is not how it was supposed to go. Patrick Mahomes was not supposed to turn his ankle in the first game of the season. Patrick Mahomes was not supposed to have his kneecap on the side of his knee halfway through the season. The defense was not supposed to go from weakness to strength by week 16 of the NFL season. Sammy Watkins was not supposed to disappear after week one. He wasn't supposed to be healthy and unproductive. That's not what we expect out of Sammy. You expect him to be either productive or hurt. That hasn't been the case for him this season. Everything that you anticipated coming into the year, it's gone a little differently. But here we are in week 16, getting ready to go into the playoffs, and I finally saw a poll from Arrowhead Pride where 95% of Chiefs fans are confident in the direction of the team. You're getting your swagger back. You're feeling pretty good about where the Chiefs are right now. You saw your MVP play like the MVP. You're hearing nationally. People like Peter King say the Chiefs are about to do this. If the uh, Kansas City Chiefs played Seattle or San Francisco tomorrow on a neutral field, I would like Kansas City. Their defense has rebounded yes. enough to give me faith that they can win a very big game. You're hearing people like Chris Collinsworth when asked who can be a sleeper team in the NFL playoffs. Say the Chiefs are that team. Give me a team that you think can make a run here and win it all. Chris. Kansas City. They, um, I, I just got finished uh, watching their tape, obviously, and uh, I thought Mahomes looked like MVP Mahomes again. Okay. I, it, was, it was really one of the best games I've seen all year from a player. Um, playing in the snow and the weather and all that stuff just added to it. This is what a team that is battle-tested looks like going into the playoffs. We've really never seen this here in Kansas City. In New England, for years, the storyline was they're going to come into the season. If you want to beat New England, the time to do so is early on in the year. Because later on, they're going to be at their peak going into the playoffs, and you're not going to be able to beat them. Unless it's week 17, they're sitting their starters, and then maybe you'll get them. But late in the season, November, December, that's when they really start hitting their stride. Guess what the Chiefs are doing, folks? The Chiefs, late in the season this year, are finally hitting their stride. They are playing their best football when it matters the most. They're on a four-game winning streak. I expect them to win these next two games. Patrick Mahomes just played the best game of his season, in my opinion. This is what it looks like when your team goes from being battle-tested to playing its, be its best football when it matters the most. I saw this from a guy by the name of His Dirkness on Twitter. He said, the current most likely path to the Super Bowl for the 2019 Chiefs starts out with the Steelers, goes on to take on the Patriots, then you would play the Ravens in Baltimore. 
Did you know those three franchises have represented the AFC in 12 of the last 16 Super Bowls? The Chiefs are not taking the easy path. The Chiefs are taking the path less traveled, and they're taking the path that they almost had to take in order to get to this place. Last year, we went into the playoffs not knowing if the Chiefs could actually beat the best teams. We didn't know. Because all season long, when they had their biggest tests, they typically failed. They lost to the Rams in what was the greatest game that we saw last year. They lost to the Seahawks in what was an unbelievable game on the road in prime time. Most of their big games, especially primetime games, they lost those opportunities. This year, that hasn't been the case. They beat the Patriots when they really needed that game. They beat the Baltimore Ravens earlier this season. They beat the Minnesota Vikings in a game when the Chiefs had their backup quarterback. We've seen them beat some of the top contenders in the NFL this time around. This is what we were hoping for. Patrick Mahomes playing at his highest level going into the playoffs. The Chiefs defense really starting to come around. Everything that we had talked about early in the season is finally back on the table. It took some time, man. This is not the way that I anticipated it going. I didn't think they were going to get it run down their throat by the Colts and the Texans. I didn't think that they would lose to the Titans again this season. But now with where we stand right now today, I can confidently say the Chiefs are the second best team in the AFC. It's not the Patriots. It's not the Bills. It's not the Texans. It's not the Titans. It's the Kansas City Chiefs. I think you can make a strong argument right now that the Chiefs are the second best team in the NFL, frankly. I don't think that they're any worse defensively than the Saints. I don't think that they're any worse defensively than the Seattle Seahawks. I think they are better all around than the San Francisco 49ers because they can win in ways that I don't believe in the playoffs the 49ers are going to be able to. This is the team. We all thought that they were going to be able to do it right away. It didn't happen that way. So now, as we go into the playoffs, we have seen them evolve into the team that we all hoped that they would be. So welcome to the end of the finish line, Chiefs fans. The way that I felt in mile marker 22... That's the way that the Chiefs felt after they had their quarterback laying on the turf against the Broncos, feeling like they weren't going to be able to cross it. But because of the way that we got here, it's going to feel that much sweeter if they're actually able to able to pull this one off. It's not the path we all expected them to take. It's been a hell of a lot more difficult than that. But the adversity that they faced so far this season, I do believe is going to help them when they get to the playoffs. And now we get to see the next two weeks as kind of a lead up to that time. It is the lead off on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kiley. We've got Kramer on the other side of the glass. Kent Swanson of Arrowhead Pride will join us coming up at 1030. Coming up next, that Chiefs defense that I mentioned, it's not just no longer a weak link. Can you believe this? Since week 11, it's actually been the best defense in all of football tell you about it coming up it is the lead off on 610 sports radio the lead off with brandon kiley 610 sports radio welcome back it is the lead off on 610 sports radio i'm brandon kiley kramer on the other side of the glass the text line 69306 you can always hit me up on twitter as well i'm at bk sports talk it's gonna be a legitimately good sports day today It's kind of strange to be able to say that on a Saturday in late December, but the NFL slate's pretty good. Texans and Bucks, while not necessarily the most, 
the biggest game in the world is legitimately entertaining. Like Jameis is always down for two touchdowns and five, uh, or excuse me, two interceptions and five touchdowns. His laser show out there. Yeah, that could be fun. Deshaun Watson has something to play for today. We've got Bills, Pats, and then Rams, 49ers. The Rams are legitimately backs against the wall. If they lose this game, they're done. If they win this game, they still technically have life. So it's a good NFL slate. And then college basketball might be every bit as good. Locally, we've got K-State versus SLU. That's going to be a fun one tonight. That starts at 6. we got pregame at 5 right here on 610 Sports Radio. We've got KU versus Villanova. That's coming up here in just about 45 minutes. That's KU's first true road test of the season. It's considered to be basically a pick in Vegas. So KU versus Villanova going to be a hell of a lot of fun. And if you're a Mizzou fan, it's bragging rights day. This is the first time that Mizzou has a game. Uh, second time, but they lost the other one. Uh, this is a significant game for Mizzou. Ew, easy there. If Mizzou wins this game, they've got a good shot to put together a tournament resume. If they lose this game, it's going to be damn near impossible for Mizzou to be able to put together, realistically, a tournament resume. So this is a massive game for Mizzou today. What do you think, Kramer? Bigger slate today for the NFL or college basketball? And by the way, Ohio State versus Kentucky later on this afternoon as well. I, I think mostly for the NFL. Because there's so much on the line for, say, one, t- for honestly, three teams, four teams today. And then you also have to throw in the fact of fantasy football. This is a huge week for that, too. It is is indeed. I know a lot of people, I'm in this situation as well. I'm trusting Jameis in my championship week, and I'm terrified of it. I'm absolutely terrified. I I legitimately asked on Twitter yesterday, do I go with Jameis or Ryan Fitzpatrick? Like, that was a question that I asked for the fantasy football championship. (laughs) This is so stupid. Why do we do this to ourselves? Why do we play fantasy football? It's week 16. We're in the championship week. There's hundreds of dollars on the line for all of us. And I'm legitimately asking, should I go with the 22nd best quarterback in the league or the 27th best quarterback in the league to potentially win me hundreds of dollars? It's so ridiculous. What we do to ourselves is so stupid. And we do it each and every year. And we willingly sign up for this. And it's just torture from start to finish, from the very beginning to the very end of the regular season for four months. We just torture ourselves. It's absurd. You just have to mute the game and just like this, have your frustration out the entire time. That you since Winston is playing for you, you just got to just. Well, you know what you do. I've learned how to watch Jameis Winston. Having Jameis on my fantasy team this year has taught me a lot. So here's what you do: you don't watch the first six minutes of the game. Just don't watch. Don't turn it on. Don't look at the stats. Don't do anything. Pretend like the first six minutes of the game don't exist because Jameis is going to throw one interception in the first six minutes. It might be more than that, but he will throw one interception in the first six minutes. That's his warm-up. It's like you and me before the show. We talk back and forth, make sure that we're all prepared. Jameis, to be prepared for the rest of the game, has to throw an interception early on. That's how he gets out his early morning jitters. And then you turn the game on with about seven, eight minutes to go in the first quarter. He's down by seven to ten points. And then he starts really slinging it. And that's when you know Jameis is back. So don't watch the first six minutes of the game. Just wait until Jameis gets his groove going, and then you can watch the game from there. Just pretend like the first six minutes never really happens. I was going to let you know, BK, uh, Mike Evans is not playing, so good luck. Mike Evans isn't playing, and neither is Chris Godwin. And good something luck. named a Scotty Miller, their number three receiver, is also out for today. So I'm trusting Brashad Perriman and their other guy, their number four receiver, Watson, something Watson. I don't know. Sure. Some character that apparently people are playing in Daily Fantasy. That's neither here nor there. I do want to talk about the Chiefs because unlike the Buccaneers who are terrible defensively, 
The Chiefs have been really good defensively over the last four or five weeks. I found this statistic. This comes from Field Yates of ESPN. Since week 11, the Chiefs have allowed a league low 11.3 points per game, a league low 22.9 total QBR, which basically means that they are allowing the worst quarterback rating in all of football, and have eight interceptions, which is tied for the second most in the league over that stretch. I need to give a lot of credit here to a couple of people that I think have been unfairly maligned over the course of the season. The first person is Steve Spagnuolo. Now, he's been getting credit for a few weeks now. The second person, though, who I don't believe has gotten enough credit for the job that he has done this year is Brett Veach. Brett Veach was the guy that in Chiefs Twitter and on these airwaves was criticized a whole hell of a lot earlier on this season. What have you done, Brett Veach? The Frank Clark thing isn't working out. Tyron Matthews been just okay. Anthony Hitches has been a disaster. These linebackers that you brought in aren't doing anything. The drafts that you've had are no good. Well, Brett Veach has really started to show out over the last few weeks. Brett Veach drafted Colin Saunders, who was a significant piece to the puzzle in a few weeks when the Chiefs had a lot of defensive linemen that were down. Brett Veach brought in Frank Clark who for all of the arrows that he's taken this season has actually put together a pretty darn solid season and has played through some things that guys last year that were on this team that played his same position, frankly, would not have played through. No chance. The Chiefs cornerback situation, which I thought coming into the year was going to be their Achilles heel and a, an absolute disaster. Do you know that the Chiefs, have allowed the fewest receptions to outside receivers in all of football this year. That's not a Tyron Matthew stat. That's not a Juan Thornhill stat. That's a Charvarius Warden Bashad Breland stat. Brett Veach deserves a lot of credit for a few reasons. Brett Veach deserves credit for bringing in Tyron Matthew and Frank Clark and changing the culture on that side of the football. Brett Veach deserves credit for making zero moves at the cornerback position this season because he trusted the guys that he brought in. Brett Veach deserves credit for drafting Rashad Fenton in the sixth round, a guy that I trust more at corner right now than, eh, for what it's worth, another Brett Veach guy, and Kendall Fuller. Brett Veach deserves credit because the defense that we all thought was going to be a sieve coming into the season has been legitimately good down the stretch. I believe at this point in the season... The defense is a strength of the team and not a weakness. Imagine us saying that earlier in the season. Imagine if I had told you, Kramer, coming into the season, that the Chiefs' defense is going to be talked about late in the season by legitimately good analysts as being a key piece to the puzzle going into the playoffs. Listen to this. Chris Collinsworth, who was on the call Sunday night for the Chiefs versus the Bears, was on the Rich Eisen Show. and Listen to what he had to say about the Chiefs' defense. Defensively? Uh, the thing that people probably won't know is that Spagnola has put in a little Belichickian about every defense known to man. And they play, they basically change coverage, it seems like, on every single snap of the ball. Huh. Um, so while that may not look good early in a season, late in the year, that sort of versatility and ability to change midstream is going to pay dividends. I want to talk more specifically about Tyron Matthew later on this morning, but. What the Chiefs' defense has done is nothing short of incredible. They have completely transformed the way that I view this football team. And I don't think nationally people are catching on yet. I think nationally people watched Mahomes last week 
and what he did against the Broncos defense in the snow, in the elements, given the injuries that he's had so far this season. And they're like, wow, that's really impressive. Like what Mahomes did last week, that team is still a championship contender because of what he did. That's true. I agree with him. I think that's why most Chiefs fans still have confidence in this team. But are we not going to talk about the fact that the Chiefs held the Broncos to three points? We're not going to talk about the fact that the Chiefs held the Raiders to nine points two weeks ago. The Chargers to 17 points. The Patriots to 16 points. Including what was a touchdown that was set up by a blocked punt. Like, this defense has been really good over the last month. They're going up against somebody that is not going to be much of a challenge in the Bears tomorrow. Next week, they've got the Chargers again, and I'm not sure that Phillip Rivers is even going to start this game. So if you're not convinced now that the Chiefs defense is legitimately good, you're not going to be convinced until the postseason. But I'm already there. I'm on the bandwagon. I'm a believer that they're not great. They're not the Bears. They're not the Patriots. They're not the Vikings. But they are good. I said coming into the season, all I needed them to be was top 15, top 20. They are legitimately close to being a top 10 unit defensively right now. And that's pretty incredible. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kylie Kramer on the other side of the glass. If you guys want to get involved in the show, the text line is 69306. Coming up next, Ken Swanson of Arrowhead Pride. He is their offensive film analyst. He's going to join us to talk about what changed last week for Patrick Mahomes. And if it is sustainable moving forward, we'll do that next. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. The leadoff with Brandon Kylie, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kylie. Kramer on the other side of the glass. We'll be joined by Kent Swanson here momentarily on the leadoff you guys want to get involved in the show the text line is 69306 i am on twitter as well at bk sports talk so i want to talk to kent about this coming up momentarily but the biggest game of the week here in kansas city is actually not chiefs versus bears it is bills versus patriots the patriots are a six and a half point home favorite that's according to vegas the bills have never defeated Tom Brady in New England in a game that Tom Brady both started and finished. Everything about this game would indicate to you that the Bills should lose handily in New England. I don't believe that's going to be the case. I don't think the Patriots are particularly good. I've said this all season long. I continue to believe it today. The Patriots are limited offensively. Their defense is great, but not historically great the way that we thought that they were. And they require some kind of special teams or defensive touchdown to win games like this. I think their offense is that limited that in a game against the Bills, who play really solid all around, they are almost the Patriots light in the way that they perform this year. I think they are going to require some sort of defensive or special team score to be able to win this game. I want to get Kent Swanson's thoughts on this. Kent is joining us here on the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. He is the offensive film analyst for Arrowhead Pride. Ken, I'm going to bring you in on the conversation that I was just having about this Patriots versus Bills game. I think that the Bills are going to win this. I know that they've never defeated Tom Brady in New England in a game that he started and finished, but the Bills are an all-around solid team. The Patriots are so limited offensively. I think the Bills are going to be able to take them down today. What say you? 
It's uh, it's nice to hear you talking about our beloved Buffalo Bills, BK. Um, I'm I'm really excited. For this it's a game. playoff I game today in Kansas City. How could I not talk about them today, Kent? I know, right? I I'm 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 pretty optimistic that this Bills team can pull this off. Um, and I think, look, every single fan base in the National Football League has been burned by betting against the New England Patriots. I mean, let's just be honest. They, 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 they never die. But this just seems, this feels like it could legitimately be the end. This is a very good football team that can run the football. The Patriots aren't good at running the football. That can play defense and affect the passer. That's worked really well for teams against a aging Tom Brady. Julian Edelman looked like he was gimping around during practice this week. The one target that Tom Brady trusts not named James White. I mean, it's very realistically in the realm of possibility. I don't want to bet it against Bill Belichick, but I honestly think that this team is equipped to do it. I do as well, and I I guess the concern that I would have is just Josh Allen, right? Because I really enjoy watching Josh Allen as somebody that doesn't have to root for the Bills most weeks. Now, in a week that I'm actually rooting for the Bills – It's terrifying to be rooting for Josh Allen to be the guy that's ultimately going to lead you to the promised land. He has his strengths. He also has very clear weaknesses. He could have a guy wide open down the sideline for a 50-yard gain. All he has to do is get it three yards down the field, and it could go 30 yards down the field because he has no idea where the ball's going at times. How much of a concern is that for you today against the Patriots? Uh, you know, I know Therese has kind of talked about how he's kind of quietly a Bills fan. I've been kind of watching him from afar a little bit, too, just because I'm fascinated mostly in the Josh Allen experiment. And, I mean, he's he's definitely not to a level of consistency that you want to see. And he's if the, if the, Patri- or if the Bills are going to win this football game, he can't make one of those critical, boneheaded decisions. He's got to play his best game. He can't go out there and try to be Superman and do something stupid because when he tries to be a little too aggressive, we know what happens. It, it doesn't end on the, on the positive end for him most of the time. So, I mean, it's, it's really going to fall on him. He, I don't want to call him a game manager, but he probably has to just manage this football game. He's got to manage it at a high level, and he's got to beat teams with his legs. I mean, mm-hmm. Josh Allen, I don't believe, is thrown for 300 yards in his career. So it's got to be a combination of the run game working. It's got to be him making good decisions, not turning the ball over at all, moving the, moving the chains, long sustained drives. It, it, it might be a little bit against some of his nature, but the success he's found has been from 20 yards and in most of the time anyway. He's got to keep doing that. If they don't allow the Patriots to have a quick field because of a turnover, whether offensively or on special teams, I think they ultimately win this game. We're talking with Kent Swanson. He's the lead offensive film analyst for Arrowhead Pride. He's joining us here on the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. I am curious from a big picture sense, Kent, how important do you believe the buy is for the Chiefs? Like, in terms of the grand scheme of things, how much does it change your belief that the Chiefs can win a Super Bowl if they were to get the buy versus if they end up as the three seed? Uh, anytime you don't have to subject your team to another football game, I think it really helps. I think the one caveat with this is, you know, I think what you've seen from this football team this last stretch has been a, a, a lot of desperation to, because they know they don't have margin for error. And I think that margin, that limited margin for error for a bye week and all this stuff has really helped them really catapult this thing and grow and build. You're taking that away. Uh, if you 
um, if you get that bye week because now you've got a week off, you got a week to maybe rest up. If you're, you know, if you're if you're not too careful, it could kind of put them back into some of the things that, you know, that that comfort that they probably felt early in the season, where like, yeah, we'll just we'll we'll figure it out later, kind of thing. That I think that mar- limited margin has driven them. So it could it could be a good thing. It could be a bad thing, just depending on how this team reacts. It kind of feels like they're trending towards understanding what it takes and what it's going to take for them to have success, and that's never letting up after that Titans game. Maybe that Titans game was ultimately what kind of pushed this team over the edge, but you're running that risk of losing that, you know, losing that edge if you get the bye week. I tend to think this team's focused, but that, that's the one concern I have with all of this, and, and obviously having to play you know, another 60 minutes of football, uh, you know, again. So it's interesting that you put it that way. I I have a belief at this point, Kent, that I think last year's team was better. Like if if they were to play head to head, I think there's a chance that last year's team actually beats this year's team because of the way that the offense was built and the way that the offense was performing all season long. That being said, I actually think this year's team might be more likely to go on the run. Now we know how last year ended, so maybe there's a little bit of bias from that perspective, but I think this year's team is more well-suited to win in the playoffs, more well-suited to go on a run to the Super Bowl, both because of the way that they are constructed, because of the way that the defense is playing right now, and also because of the way that the opponents in the AFC are playing. I know the Ravens are great, but I don't know that the Ravens in the playoffs are going to be as big of a test as the Patriots last year were in the playoffs. How do you view that, looking at this year's team for a playoff run compared to what last year's team was? So I think you framed it perfectly, and this is why. 2018, the, the Chiefs team had a trump card. That trump card was the best offense in football, a generational offense. This year, that team doesn't have that on either side of the football. But what you know for a fact is that the offense can re- return to those levels. You, I don't think this offense has peaked. I think Patrick Mahomes is starting to show signs of peaking, Getting, you know, playing his best football at the right times because watching him sling it around for 340 yards in the snow, that doesn't get you optimistic about the rest of the season. I don't know what will. They can get to that point. They can get to that peak. They can play at an insanely high level at the right time. And if that happens, they're going to win the Super Bowl because the defense is night and day better than what they had last year. If they can get close, to the offensive production that they had in 2018. This team is winning the Super Bowl. Got a couple of minutes here with Ken Swanson of Arrowhead Pride joining us. I want to stick with uh, Patrick Mahomes and his performance last week. What changed for him, Kent? Because the guy that I had seen previously was not him. That, that, that wasn't Patrick Mahomes. I don't know what was going on. I don't know if it was a situation where he was uncomfortable in the pocket. I don't know if it was as simple as the injuries were still lingering what changed for Mahomes last week, and do you believe that it is repeatable moving forward? I mean, I, I honestly think the snow might have helped him maintain or, or, or develop some better habits because he was feeling more comfortable moving up and into the pocket. He was hanging in there longer. And it might just be because the pass rush has a hard time getting home when you're in that snowy weather. That actually slows down the pass rush. It slows everything down. So maybe – because of that, he felt a little bit more confident to move up and in. I think the offensive line had a better night, too, because of, and it might just be because of the weather we're about to find out. But he started kind of developing those good habits again last week, and I think that really did go a long way. I was nervous about last week's game specifically just because 
Jay Glazer comes out an hour before the game starts and says, Mahomes' hand's worse than it looks, or worse than everybody's playing on. It was black and blue. He couldn't do anything until Thursday, those kind of things. I was stressed about that. But, no, he, he fought through that. Mechanically, I think he might have adjusted a little bit with his base. Like, he was keeping a better base with some of his throws. He's stepping into some of his throws a little bit more because of the injured hand. I almost, I almost wonder if that helped put some good habits back on him. We're going to find out on Sunday Night Football if that's the case. Last question that I have for you, Kent. I want to talk about Tyron Matthew with you because I said coming into the year, whenever they had signed Tyron, I I think he's a good football player. I think he's a guy that's going to help them. I didn't think he was going to be as good as a lot of people expected him to be by the name recognition. I've been wrong. He's been everything people had hoped that he would be and then some. I heard earlier this week, I believe it was Chris Collinsworth who said that the Chiefs defense is doing some Patriots-like things and that they're super multiple and they've got guys lining up all over the place. I think that's because of Tyron Matthew. He's the guy that makes all of that possible. What have you seen from Matthew? How impressed have you been with him? Uh, he's He's been amazing, and he definitely has exceeded even my expectations, but this is a guy who has been asked to do a lot of different things. He's basically been in the slot corner for big chunks of the season. We've done it at a high level. He was going up against Cortland Sutton last week, and he had one of the best strips uh, in the end zone I've ever seen. It looked like it was in slow motion. Like He just ripped the ball out of his hand, and he's making plays on the football. I think the thing that, that speaks most to you know what impact he's made on this football team is I, the quarterback position has, has drawn the ire, has been the fear, the anxiety of Kansas City for the last six months because the Chiefs didn't do much to address it. What they did do is they addressed the middle of the field with Tyron Matthew and Juan Thornhill. I think Tyron Matthew is the catalyst that has made this entire secondary look as good as it has. I think he's why the cornerbacks have deficiencies that have been masked and they've had they played at a high level. I think that falls on what Tyron Matthew has done from a communication standpoint, from an expectation standpoint, leading that room, and from a production standpoint on the field. I think he's been everything to this Chiefs football team, and you've got guys like him and Frank Clark and now Terrell Suggs. Those are the kind of guys that I think help carry you into a potential Super Bowl run. You've got to feel good about this group if the offense peaks at the right time. Kent, any reason for me to worry about the Bears tomorrow? We'll get you out on this one. I mean, I, I think I, I have a little bit of, you know, nervousness, but it's probably just because of, you know, the scars of the past. And they've got to continue. I think this game is more of a trap game than the Broncos game. You know, Matt Nagy knows this, knows, knows this team a little bit. I think they have nothing to play for, so you might just see them unleash Mitch Trubisky, which could be a good and a bad thing. He might stumble into some big plays. That yeah, that might be a great thing game. for the Chiefs. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm terrified of, uh, I'm not, I don't want to say terrified, but I'm, I'm nervous about this game probably more than I should be. Um, but if they go out and they keep building on what they've been doing, and if, if, if they prove to us that they're just going to keep growing and building and, and not, you know, you know, not rest on their laurels, I think they're going to be fine. He's Ken Swanson, Arrowhead Pride's offensive film analyst. You joined us here on the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. Kent, you are the best, my friend. We always appreciate it. We will look forward to talking to you again soon. Anytime, my friend. Catch you later. Absolutely. That is Ken Swanson joining us here on the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. All right. We talked a little bit about Tyron Matthew there. I want to give my extended thoughts about Tyron Matthew and how incredible he has been this season. It's not just what he's done on the field. It's also what he's added off of the field. I'll tell you what I mean. Coming up, it is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. The leadoff with Brandon Kylie, 610 Sports Radio. 
Welcome back. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kylie. He is Kramer on the other side of the glass. These these bump back musics are getting better. Oh, they're great. They're great. I couldn't ask for anything more. You know how great they are? How they're as great as Tyron Matthews been on the field this year. That's how nice, great they nice. are. How about that for a transition? That's a good right one here? right there. We are simpatico this morning, Kramer. All right, so Tyron Matthews awesome. You don't need me to tell you that. You've seen that on the field this year, but I think it's bigger than just what he's done on the field. I heard this quote from Frank Clark, Clark earlier this week, and it stuck with me. I haven't been able to shake it, man. It's 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 been incredible. Like it's, I wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat, and I'm like, ah, oh, that Frank Clark sweat or that Frank Clark comment, man. I can't I can't get that out of my mind. So I want you to think in the back of your mind of the swagger, the confidence, the gravitas that Frank Clark has whenever he stands up and says something, right? When he says stuff before, in front of the team or in front of the media, it carries a different weight for me, and maybe it's that way for you as well, than when some random Joe Schmo says it, right? And so when Frank Clark said this about Tyron Matthew earlier this week, I thought it spoke to the type of leader, the type of person, the type of gravitas, frankly, that Tyron Matthew has whenever he speaks. Listen to this quote from Frank Clark. I've played with some great teammates, you know, um, honestly, honestly, man. Uh, guys listen, too. You know, I played with Richard Sherman. I played with Cam Chancellor. But he has the likes of, um, you know, when Cam talked, you know, everybody listened. That was, you know, the enforcer. When T talked, that's a honey badger. Everybody listens as well. Think about what he had just said there. Frank Clark came from a championship organization in Seattle. You had players like Richard Sherman, you had Earl Thomas, you had Cam Chancellor, you had Bobby Wagner, you had Michael Bennett. You had a million different guys on that team that were alphas, that were guys that would stand up in front of the team and call somebody out whenever it needed to be said, that would lead by example, that would lead by speaking as well. Richard Sherman, we know, is a talker. Earl Thomas is a talker. Cam Chancellor is the enforcer. Like, he played with dudes in Seattle that would get up in your face if you weren't holding up to your end of the bargain. That's the guy that said Tyron Matthews, the guy that when he talks, other people listen. That matters a lot. So that's what Tyron Matthew added behind the scenes. Tyron Matthew, when he steps up in the locker room, there are guys in that locker room that watched him when they were when he was in college that remember the Honey Badger from LSU. Think about how many guys really made a name for themselves. Like, there's a difference between being a great college football player and being so transcendent as a college football player that your story is magnetic and other guys gravitate towards you. I think Tim Tebow was that way. I think Cam Newton was that way. Back in his day, Michael Vick was that way. It's pretty rare, though. It's not necessarily a guy that wins the Heisman, like Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson in college was so transcendently great and so great in a different way than we had seen previously that he was a guy that was magnetic and other people wanted to gravitate towards him. That's Tyron Matthew. Tyron Matthew has some of a similar type of a pull in terms of people coming towards him as Eric Berry did, frankly, whenever he was here with the Chiefs. Eric Berry had such a great story that he was somebody that when he spoke, other people listened. His words carried a little more weight behind them than others. Tyron Matthew is the same way for different reasons, but the same way. And so that's what he adds behind the scenes. 
And you add that to what Spag says about what he does on the field, and you've got what I would believe is the perfect player at the perfect time for the perfect team. Listen to Steve Spagnuolo on Tyron Matthew. You know, look, I've said this before. I mean, I, I just think he's the glue. Um, he's the leader. He's the guy that uh, can get in the huddle and practice and say, hey, we need to step it up. You need guys like that. And that that stuff I value uh, as a coordinator. It makes my job a lot easier. And I think the rest of the guys um, certainly see that they're talking about a really good player that operates at a high level. I'm talking about in preparation, meetings. You know, He's the first one out there all the time. We go to walk through, go to practice. And uh, I think that goes a long way with the other guys. So Tyron Matthew behind the scenes is the guy that allows everything to stay on track, right? Something's off track in a meeting. Tyron Matthews is going to be the guy that stands up and makes sure that everything gets back on track. You've, you've seen these types of meetings before, right? Wherever you work, you guys are doing something productive, and then it kind of goes off the rails. It, it For whatever reason, maybe it's people joking around over there. Maybe they're just not on track today, whatever it is. Like, there are days when you're just not invested in whatever you're doing. You would rather be anywhere than where you are that day. That exists for football, too. It's not just a sales meeting. It's not just a you're in the meeting with the other nurses in, in in your hospital. Like Whatever you do for a living, you've got those types of meetings, those types of days where you just don't want to be there. It's the same thing for football players. There are certain days where they're just like, man, I don't, I don't want to be here today. So in that safeties room, that D-backs room, that defensive film room, whatever it may be, Tyron Matthews is a guy that can step up and say, hey, Get it back together. Let's get on track here. We've got something to do. We've got, a, we've got a goal in mind, and this is the place that we need to be to be able to achieve that goal. Tyron Matthews is the one that steps up to say that in those meetings. On the field, think about the weaknesses that this defense had a year ago. They couldn't defend people in the slot. They couldn't defend running backs coming out of the backfield. They weren't able to be multiple. Their defensive backs never got lined up in the right spot. All of those things are things that Tyron Matthews specifically fixes. He's the communicator on the back end. He's the guy that can line up one-on-one on Julian Edelman on one play, and then on the next play be lined up one-on-one on James White and either take him out of the backfield or blitz and make life living hell on Tom Brady. Everything that you're hearing nationally about the Chiefs' defense and how they've changed, you can specifically drop back to Tyron Matthew. The other additions have been great. Frank Clark has brought a swagger to the defense that it was much needed. Chris Jones has been fantastic this season. The corners have been better than expected. Juan Thornhill has been a rangy safety that we all hoped that he would be. But the real difference with the defense this year is very simple. They have Tyron Matthew. Last year, they didn't have that guy. This year, they added in an all-pro, pro-bull type of safety that can play all over the field. He's a Swiss Army knife. They told us before the season that they wanted to use him the way that Brian Dawkins had been used in the Philadelphia Eagles defense a decade ago, and it's worked out in a way that I could have never expected. It is very, very rare that you go into a free agency period, you sign a player to what is, by definition, an overpay. Because if you're willing to pay him that, it means nobody else is. That's the only way you get these guys. So you overpaid for a guy like Tyron Matthew, who is not in his athletic prime anymore. This is not the same player that he was when he was 23 years old playing for the Cardinals. It's not. But he's so intelligent. He's so good at what he does now. He watches so much film. He's flying around the field. He's so unafraid. 
that he's able to completely transcend the defense and build this thing into something that it was not for the last three or four years. Tyron Matthew, man, I was wrong on him. I was wrong about what he was going to be able to bring to the defense, and I'm so unbelievably happy that I was wrong about what he was going to be able to be to bring to this defense. His defense is transformed, and it's specifically because of what he's able to bring to the table. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kyle Kramer on the other side of the glass. Coming up on the other side, tomorrow was supposed to be a rivalry game. There was supposed to be a rivalry between the Chiefs and the Bears. That doesn't exist, but we do know who the rivals are going to be moving forward for, for Patrick Mahomes at this point. I'll tell you who they are next. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. The leadoff with Brandon Kiley, 610 Sports Radio. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my word. Podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.